Rachel Holt is the head of Uber's new mobility. And Uber is more than just cars these days. It's bikes, it's scooters. We haven't seen them in South Africa yet. But it's part of their integrated vision. If you can't get a car, it's, you're stuck in traffic. You're going to jump on a little scooter and you would rent it the same way you would calling a ride. I mean, it's a, it's a grand vision of what you're calling multimodal transport. So I think, you know, Uber's been very focused on... Uh, on what it means to be a transportation platform. And um, for us, we think, you know, we've started with rides. Many people, when they think about Uber, they think rides. Um, but we're, uh, we're evolving beyond that. And I think we realize that there are times, there are places uh, that it just doesn't make sense uh, to take a car. That's just not the most efficient way. It may not be the fastest way. It certainly may not be the most environmentally friendly way of getting around cities. And so um, one of uh, one of the things my, you know, my team has been working on and focused on has been uh, starting with e-bikes and e-scooters, but also branching out to partnerships uh, to integrate public transit into the app, uh, to integrate being able to pay for public transit um, as well into the app. And ultimately what that means is uh, eventually you can tell us, I want to go from uh, point A to point B, um, and we can help tell you the cheapest way, the fastest way, uh, the most luxurious way, perhaps, uh, to get uh, around your city uh, in a way that matches uh, your preferences and also matches the trip that you're taking. Uber has always been about uh, what it means to live car-free in a city. And so for us, that's always been part of the mission. And, and we've actually, in many, in many places, had already moved well beyond traditional vehicles. We have, uh, we had, um, you know, moped, uh, motorcycles, right, auto and, and rickshaw products in parts of, in parts of Asia. Um, we had, um, we always are about thinking about what is the best transportation in a given city and how do we make sure we are offering that. And transportation is super local. So uh, we may have uh, kick scooters here, may, may not make any sense um, in cities in which the roads are terrible, right? And so um, what, what we've actually always been focused on is how do we understand local customs, local transportation, how do we create products that match those? Um, and about a year ago was when we acquired Jump. Um, and one of the reasons we acquired Jump was, was for their hardware and design skills. And so uh, that uh, Jump has, had won a ton of industry awards, uh, leading uh, e-bike uh, design team. Um, and for us, bringing those capabilities in-house, being able to complement the tech capabilities, the operational capabilities that Uber already had, makes, you know, makes us much more able to um, build and create our own set of products, as well as partnering with other companies that are offering these products as well. I mean, I have to say it's a, it's outrageously fun to catch a scooter down a, a sidewalk as I have in Washington. No, it's um, it, one of the benefits I think is that uh, they're not these modes of transportation aren't just about um, a utility. It's not just about getting from point A to point B. As you said, they're a lot of fun. Uh, we see a ton of ridership on the weekends, as an example, particularly when the weather is nice. You know, a, a few months ago, uh, I had a weekend in San Francisco, and a friend of mine and I uh, rode, you know, basically went on a tour of the city on, on jump bikes. Uh, it's a great and really fun way uh, to get around. And the, um, you know, the fact that they're electric, the fact that they're pedal assist um, only makes them kind of uh, more fun. And, and I think we could all use a little bit of that. The most important thing uber can do to begin with to make uh, our streets safe 
is making sure that um, cars and riders in our cars also understand how to look for um, bikes and scooters. So one of the things we introduced uh, recently into the Uber app was a reminder when you're getting out of the vehicle, if we know that there are bike lanes that are near your drop-off point, a reminder to the rider to look behind. It's called, it's called the Dutch reach. It's how you look when you open the door. You open the door using your left hand instead of your right hand if you're sitting on the right side of a car. And make sure you check behind to see if there are bikes and scooters that are coming so there's a lot of education that we are doing for, for our riders and for our drivers. And then secondly, when, before we launch in a city, um, in any city, we do, we do helmet giveaways. We, um, ha we do rider education campaigns. Um, we do uh, in-app education to make sure that people understand how to use uh, the devices safely. And one of the things we're so excited about in our, in our announcement that we made today was that we're unveiling kind of version two of our scooter. Um, which is a far more robust, safer scooter than has previously existed. And we think that has a big potential um, to really enhance safety. When it's, when it's more robust, it's more durable. Uh, the wheels are bigger. The brake is a more uh, standard mechanical brake that's a lot more like what you see on a bike. People are much more comfortable uh, with that kind of brake. And it also has the, you control the gra how gradual the brake is. Right. So all those kind of features that we're building in, porting some of the best features from the bikes into the scooters, we believe are really gonna enhance safety. First of all, we've been working with cities um, really for uh, since, since the beginning. I think we definitely um, have, have taken different approaches in, in different cities. But for Jump specifically, you know, we really are making sure we're working deeply with cities um, there are many cities have permit processes. We're following those permit processes. Some places um, have, you know, chosen to welcome um, any and all providers in, um, and we've let cities know that we're planning on operating, and um, and we've been working very closely with the with cities. I think one of the benefits, again, that that Uber uh, and Jump has over uh, startup competitors in this space is that we have local relationships now in you know, 60 plus countries around the world. And so we have the opportunity to already start dialogues with policymakers there to educate them, because we really do believe this is part of what the future of where cities need to go, and educate those uh, policymakers and lawmakers about what it means to uh, be a city that embraces uh, mobility options, um, and make sure that you know, the cities that we're going to are ones that uh, are aligned with that future. Do you find there's any um, pushback from the drivers? Do they see the, the bikes and the scooters as complementary or competitive? So we've seen uh, just in the, you know, since it's been almost a year since we've started, uh, since we started the, the uh, jump, or since we acquired jump, we've seen that the services are highly complementary. We've always seen a high degree of uh, Uber trips that begin or end right around public transit system um, to date. So we've always seen that. Um, but what we're seeing is that when people start using our new mobility options, they are using them a lot, but their usage of, of Uber actually isn't, isn't really going down. They may take fewer rides during heavy commuting hours. They may choose to take uh, bikes and scooters during those hours, but ultimately it's just about it being easier to live car free 
in in cities, and that's actually quite complementary to our existing uh, car options as well. I, I can confirm the ease of use during rush hour. I mean, I, I, I had to get from my hotel down to the the, the the National Mall to go to one of the Smithsonian's. I mean, it was a uh, you know, it was quicker than walking, infinitely quicker than sitting in, in traffic and way more fun. Yeah, and I think, you know, we we believe that um, there are a whole set of consumers uh, who are going to want that experience, right? There may be a, there may be another set of people who, uh, you know, aren't, uh, might be maybe older, may not want to get uh, on a bike or on a scooter. And, and we, we, we still have, you know, very strong options, I think, for them. But for us, this is just another new way to get around. And as you say, it's um, it's easy, it's cost effective, and it's pretty fun. I, I suppose these are part of the experiments that you're doing to look at different ways to, to transport people. In, I'm from South Africa, so of course, if someone wanted to ride a bike, it would probably be over very long distances. Have you thought of, as opposed to the very confined urban space, somebody cycling maybe 10 kilometers, leaving the bike? Are, are, there, are there thoughts around this kind of model yet? So we're seeing uh, different vehicle types, different form factors emerge in different parts of the world. And many cases, uh, places, again, where the terrain may be different, where the distances may be longer. Uh, People may choose uh, a a device that may look more like a moped um, or, or even like a motorcycle. That may be more common in certain parts of the world. So we're seeing a lot of variation um, exist. I don't think necessarily the biker scooter that you see here would be per- the perfect one if you were going, um, you know, 10, 15 kilometers every day. But there definitely are form factors that we're looking at that that might be. Batteries may be the most unsexy part of this new exciting technology form, but actually they are quite critical to the operation of bikes and scooters and other things. And I, I was very impressed to see this new generation of scooter and bike and just how easy it was to swap the battery in and out. I mean, I suppose you spend a lot of R&D on, on the unsexy stuff. Well, one of the most exciting things for me coming into this new role uh, was being able to tap in to some of the world-class expertise that we have in batteries and supply chain and a whole bunch of areas that maybe traditionally people might not have thought uh, Uber had invested a lot of time in. But between our Uber Elevate, um, our our flying car initiative, as well as um, our autonomous technology, we actually have a good number of hardware and supply chain experts. Um, and they were pretty excited to come over and start working on, on our projects. And so uh, we've really benefited from uh, a lot of world-class experts. And we've been able to up-level pretty quickly um, what, uh, what we think is possible in, in the bike and scooter space. So um, one of, I think, what you're referring to is we unveiled our new 5.8 bike today. Um, which has a a battery which is really easy to swap in and out, not just by uh, a trained technician um, as we have in our current our current uh, bikes, but by virtually anyone, and that just creates a whole bunch of really interesting possibilities. Whether it's uh, riders, uh, drivers, couriers, um, really anyone in a city who wants to help keep the bikes charged. Um, and that just means it's going to be a lot easier for, for us 
to keep the uh, to keep the bikes charged, but also it's going to mean a lot more availability and a lot more charged bikes uh, for riders who want them. I mean, I, I I tried a few bikes and they were they were flat the first day I got you, and I kind of thought, imagine you could have your own <laughs> spare battery in your bag, you know, like a battery booster of your own. You know, you can just the bike's flat, you plug it in. I mean, is that one of the potential ideas? We we have explored that and a lot of other um, a lot of other options, um, and I think the ease of keeping bikes and scooters charged with uh, with a lot of interesting technology and a lot of interesting technical innovations is going to be a huge uh, unlock for this entire for really all uh, entire light electric vehicle space um, over the coming you know, months and years. In, uh, so I, I'm from San Diego. I think today, as an example, uh, a bike looks a lot still like a traditional bike, even if it uh, is electric. And a scooter looks a lot like the scooter that, you know, my four-year-old daughter um, has learned to ride. Um, but I think there's, I think that you'll probably see a lot of vehicles that look like some combination of the two. Um, I think you're going to see uh, a lot of different kinds of. You see them already in San Diego, actually. Yeah, yeah, there's a there's a there's a couple companies which are innovating in that space, and I think for us, it's one of the reasons we think actually having both bikes and scooters um, is an advantage. We're going to be we are already using a lot of the technology from the bikes and incorporating that into the latest versions of the scooters. There's a lot of shared components. There's a lot of similarities. Um, and ultimately, this is about, I think, a light electric vehicle space. And I think, again, depending on the city, depending on the weather, depending on the terrain, depending on uh, consumer preference and just what's common, depending on congestion, I think you're going to see a whole uh, spectrum of of new options evolve and i think we're only at the tip of the iceberg there it's of course difficult to make this kind of business profitable isn't it so um there are um i think again different uh different companies are taking a, a different approach when it comes to a whole number of different aspects as an example uh, the bikes we haven't seen they they, they have continued to last um you know, our, our original bikes, we've chosen to pull off the road because we have new bikes um, with, with new technology, but the old bikes still work and they work very well. And so uh, the companies that uh, maybe uh, you're thinking of that have cited having very short-lived um, scooters have not necessarily invested in the hardware and in the durability of the hardware. When you start operating this business and you've got hardware experts that are operating the business, you start seeing quite quickly what are what are the components and what are the parts that break first. You're able to expend, extend the life of those particular components and you can get um, quite a lot longer uh, time out of the, the scooter and the device. The first set of scooters uh, were not designed for sharing. They were designed for personal use. The scooter that you saw uh, today, that was designed very specifically for sharing use. And when you're designing it for sharing use, you're able to have a far more durable device and a device that is designed for the use that it's uh, undergoing. So, but you, so, it's not profitable. So today we're absolutely still investing in, in the business. We're investing in expansion. This is a business that is growing almost double digits week over week. Mm -hmm. 
This is a business where we absolutely are continuing to make investments in new devices, in new markets, um, in uh, marketing so that users try the devices. But we are seeing incredible traction from these, from these devices and we are seeing particularly because we have the Uber, the full Uber platform, we have a lot of users from our, that are existing Uber users that are coming over, so we don't really pay to acquire um, new riders. We're able to utilize the technology and the people that we have that perform other activities um, at Uber. And, uh, and so you're, the way that Uber has the opportunity to run this business looks pretty different than the way a standalone competitor has the opportunity. Especially because you can just change the drop-down menu, whether you're getting a car or a bike or a scooter. That's quite handy. Absolutely. I mean, we have the opportunity through our app to encourage uh, users, particularly on certain trips, um, to take... Um, to take a bike or scooter if we think that is actually the best way of, of getting around. And just to ask about the technology, I mean, there's obviously some kind of cell phone chip or a Bluetooth chip. There's a, you know, it's got, it's got a bit of an operating system and a bit of an intelligence on board. Narcissus. Not necessarily intelligence in the rider, but there's a bit of intelligence in the, in the bike and the scooter. So the, the way we think about it is the two core piece components of a bike or scooter are uh, what we like to call the brain and the heart. The brain is the IoT module. It's, it's the device, the computer system that is on the device that um, is able to provide, uh, that has a, um, a wire, wireless capabilities, that has a GPS, but that also can send diagnostics and information about, uh, about the state of the bike or the scooter, the state of the charge, um, the rider habits. It has the ability to, um, for example, uh, limit the maximum speed that the scooter can go. So there's a tremendous amount of technology in, you know, what we call the brain. And then, of course, the heart is, is what keeps the, the bike or the scooter going. That's the battery. Um, and we've put a lot of um, and are continuing to put a lot of innovation and effort into longer battery life, into easier swapping, um, into safer batteries, um, into safer charging infrastructure. And so there's a lot of investments that we're making that are very specifically, both will help from an economic perspective, but also are very much geared towards having a, a smarter, better device and a safer one. Now where we are at the beginning of the investment cycle for, um, we have the, the benefit again of being part of a bigger, we're not a standalone company. Yeah. There are a lot of other parts of our business that are far more developed, far more evolved. Um, and because we are profitable in many cities uh, on our rides product, we're profitable in, in certain cities on our eats product, there's a lot of um, other opportunities for us to, to fund this business um, while, we, um, while we figure out the business model and make sure that it's profitable as well. So no time frame. We're not going to give a time frame. And I suppose it, it feeds into your plans to be autonomous. You have a lot more data that you can start investigating. So I think for, for us, again, whether it's um, rides, then evolving to bikes and scooters, evolving to other form factors, eventually um, an autonomous future, this is all about uh, evolving our, our technology, evolving the kinds of products and services that we offer. And so um, we're, certainly, um, we're certainly gathering more insight and information on, on, how, on what users want on, on routes. Um, but for us, ultimately, this is all about choice. 
Um, and I think consumers are responding really well to that. Rachel Holt, thank you very much. I mean, I, I've got to say, I'll see you zipping down the pavement or the sidewalk, as you call it here in America, on that scooter. Thanks a lot. Thank you.